Welcome to the Infinite Spark of Being podcast. My name is Keith Welsh. In this episode, I'm going to be going into, uh, once again, the allegory of birth and death. Uh, this is something I've talked about before, um, and uh, the allegory of birth and death, as I understand it in the spiritual literature. Um, this is a journal episode from the car, per usual. Uh, it's Thanksgiving night. Um, I'm congested. <laughs> Bear with me. I'm a little uh, flimmier than normal, I guess. Um, so before we get into that, if you'd like to support this somehow, you can buy books, t-shirts, prints. Um, book three is still in the works. I'm really, really excited. Very happy with it. Um, there's also the Patreon, Venmo, however you want to support this. Uh, you know, it's always appreciated. You guys are very nice to me. Also, if I say anything that is uh, confusing or uh, misunderstood, always reach out. Um, all of you guys that, that reach out know that if you send me a phone number, I'll probably call you, and some of this stuff is just easier to talk about on the phone. Uh, yeah, that's it. Um, so, <clears throat> to understand first that, uh, well, no, let's start with Siddhartha, or um, the four uh, messengers, uh, old age, sickness, death, and the uh, holy man that Siddhartha saw on his excursion outside of the palace. So, first of all, understand that Siddhartha, or who later became known as the Buddha, um, or Shakyamuni Buddha, however you want to call it, um, he was scared. And I know that, I don't know, my teacher probably wouldn't say it this way, but I mean, let's kind of look at it like that. Like, his pursuit of liberation or, um, yeah, of liberation. I don't like to use the word enlightenment. I don't know that there are enlightened beings. In fact, a great quote from After the Ecstasy, The Laundry is one of the teachers that's quoted in the book says, there are no enlightened people, just enlightened activity. And I like that. Um, so those three things frighten Siddhartha. And so the prospect of liberation through spiritual practice of what, you know, he was explaining this holy man or this ascetic was up to, that appealed to him, but appealed to him out of fear, which is what a lot of people start on the spiritual path out of fear, discomfort, pain, and they want relief. And if they stick with it long enough, they find out that there is no relief, that the spiritual path is not about relief, but about learning to just do this better because this is the precious birth. In fact, Recently, um, somebody reached out um, on behalf of a friend of theirs, and uh, he had this person that she knows just lost his wife, and he's interested in the quote-unquote dharma and meditation, and, you know, I didn't, this is common, right? It's that you, you know, someone is panicking and they want relief. So like, maybe I'll do meditations. Like that doesn't give you relief. In fact, meditation during grief, you know, if you're not awake enough to see it, it might hurt a little more than, uh, than you think it's gonna, you know, 
because rather than looking for escape from the pain and suffering of, the, of loss, you are instead um, sitting with it and confronted with the contents of your own mind. Um, or the mind, if you want to put it that way. So that's, that's, uh, that was interesting to me. But so Siddhartha sought out asceticism and, and these things to essentially became a, a sadhu, I guess, or whatever, was out of fear because, you know, the charioteer was like, well, this person, this is a holy man, and he believes that he has found or he has found a, uh, he's liberated himself from the cycle of birth and death and suffering and all that, or samsara. So, the cycle of birth and death, um, when we think of that, a lot of times we think of it in terms of this bodily birth, this bodily death, and, but I want you to think about it, like, you die to each moment, and in fact, I, I believe I did an episode on multiple incarnations in one lifetime, you know, that you will cycle through different identities. You know, you'll, there's, your purpose will change. Your direction will change. Your loves will change. The things that you're interested in will change or shift or go away completely or who knows. Um, when I look at my life, uh, you know, some of us have had a very eclectic, like, life. We've done a lot of different things for a living. We've you know, I've done so much stuff. Um, you know, I'm definitely not one of those people that got out of high school, went to college, got a job, kept the same job, married somebody, had a bunch of kids. Like, that's not my life. You know, I'm 46. Um, and, uh, I, yeah, it's been wild. I changed careers at 40. In fact, I was just writing about that in the book. Um, yeah. So, you die to the old self and the cycle of suffering comes from, you know, grasping and clinging. So, um, to think of it like, uh, for instance, you wake up in the morning and you're so obsessed with your own pain that you will do anything to relieve it. You will lie, cheat, steal, manipulate, do whatever you can just to feel better. You grasp at relief, right? You're grasping at relief, and then you find relief. You find pleasure, right? And you get the pleasure. Let's say by noon, you know, 8 a.m., you're obsessed with your pain. By noon, you you find pleasure, and now you're clinging to that pleasure, right? Because you want to maintain it at all costs, maintain the happiness and the bliss and the at all costs. In fact, there was a client recently. It was very funny. He goes, he goes, man, the first time I sat down in meditation the way you taught us, you know, I had this like crazy body high. I was like, oh. He goes, but it hasn't happened since. Should I sit longer? And I looked at him because I do work in mental health and addiction. I was like, ah, like a true addict. And he's, he didn't understand. Like, what do you mean? I go, what? Like, you're, you're already doing it. He's like, oh my God. It was really funny. He's like, holy shit. I was like, ah. You know, and it's the, it goes along with that, um, idea I always talk about like spiritual tourism like you just want the experience you just want to take photos of the thing you want to you just want to like say you went instead of being somebody who lives fully with it because like I said at the start of this the spiritual path is not going to give you relief 
it's like Chogyam told students one time, he goes, if you haven't started down this path, don't, don't start. It's going to be one uh, insult to the ego after another, you know. So it's best to just, you know, stay in the world, eat donuts, drink beer, fuck who you want, you know, whatever. Just do that. But so by noon, you're obsessed with your own pleasure. You find happiness and bliss when you cling to it and you will lie, cheat, steal and step on whoever and whatever you can to maintain that pleasure and to continue getting that pleasure and to feel that happiness. You know, like, don't get anywhere near me. You're going to rock the boat, right? Um, But then, you know, you find out that everything changes. You know, it's like when I was saying the permanence, like, the permanence is the pain and the permanent, the, the impermanence is the pain and the impermanence is actually the relief. Thank God it's not permanent. Thank God the pain's not permanent, but it really sucks that the pleasure's not permanent either. So pleasure starts to wane, happiness starts to wane, you, and then you become obsessed with your own pain again. So here you are in this cycle of pain, pleasure, pain, pleasure, pain, pleasure. And you're not going to get away from it. This is the cycle of suffering. What if when they talk about taking on a more pleasurable birth or a better birth in the next life, what if, what if you can do that here? In fact, that's part of the Four Noble Truths that you can liberate yourself within this lifetime. And I don't think they meant once this body dies, you're liberated. I think it means now. That, so think of it this way. If this present moment here is the result of a previous present, present moment out here, well, then, then it would stand to reason that what I do here is going to roll over into the next. It's like it rolls over, right? So the present moment is a result of the previous present moment. You die to each moment. So if I do some shit to maintain a karmic predicament that is very undesirable at one o'clock, then at two o'clock, I'm still dealing with it. In some residual way, I'm dealing with it still. Karma being the predisposition of the mind to attraction and aversion. Cause and effect. This is the death. I mean, a physical death is just a shift in a state of mind, as far as we know. I mean, I can't remember a single one of them, but if I'm told I've died a lot, I, uh, you know, you know, I do know that at one point in my life I was an Nefertiti. Just kidding. I have no idea. I don't really even give a shit. But um, so it's very interesting to me that when you start to look at a lot of the literature as allegory and apply it to this moment, this time, this lifetime, and this dealing with this meat suit and all of its changes, things get a little more interesting. Um, I live and die every day. Um, you know, I died yesterday to something and I, you know, uh, the day before, I don't know what it was, but, you know, I died to something and now I'm, now I've got this new life, you know, um, and it hurts and it sucks but I have it on good authority that I'm well taken care of. Things always work out in my favor. I have nothing to worry about, and I'm not just saying that. I mean, I've got it pretty good. 
you know, uh, today's Thanksgiving and I'm insanely thankful. You know, I got to surf in the morning and went home and threw kettlebells around and then went for a run and then had a very funny Thanksgiving dinner at my cousin's house where, you know, we all just laughed and, you know, cut it up and busted balls and the, the way we do. And it was fun, man. And I went home and worked on some new artwork and, you know, tried to make sense of that fucking show 1899. For God's sakes, this is the slowest, most European shit I've ever tried to watch. I'm giving it a chance just because Troy said it was good, but Jesus, fuck me, Christ. It is... Because I, I didn't realize that it was a European show and then it was, like, voiced over. Because the voiceover acting is so shitty. Ugh. Anyway. Not all of it. Some of it's just horrible. Um, also, you know, I just watched that series, 1883... And, like, the costuming was so good. And then this one, it's not. And it's like, ah, shouldn't they look a little dirtier? I don't know. Anyway, whatever. So, you know, you die to things. And you take rebirth. You're reborn into a different self. You know, consciousness is constantly expanding. And knowledge is this thing where consciousness is knowledge, right? You, You know, like I've said, you rock back and forth in the chair. And then you bump the wall and your consciousness expands to include the knowledge of the wall. The, you're consciously aware of the presence of the wall. And so now you rock differently back and forth in the chair. It changes the way you do something. You know, we break our hearts over and over. And every time the heart breaks, consciousness expands. You know, every time. You know, you, you lose a job, get a job, you lose a loved one, you, it's, it's your consciousness expanding all the time. And that can't be bad. I mean, you can be a dumb fuck and, you know, do some bunch of dumb shit. And, but I'm not doing any dumb shit. Um, I'm not a dumb fuck. I, uh, you know, it's just life stuff, man. And, um. It stings and then you, you know, it's, it's just, I, 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 anymore, you know, I don't stay with the sadness or the pain of it. My mind just automatically, because, you know, you train your mind to do things. It's going, Ooh, I can't wait to see what happens next. The next thing's always cool. So let's see what the next thing is. Very interesting, right? Like, I don't talk about it much. I don't talk about God too much, but, you know, and I see God as this allegorical thing and metaphor, and sometimes this consciousness, this fountainhead of life, Godhead, whatever you call it, we have to think of it and personify it in a certain way so that it's easier to to digest, to, to work it into our own lives. So, you know, I always think of... Um, Krishna and a lot of times I think of Narsimha his uh, you know his his lion half lion form that protects you and 
that is the one that's around that I just feel around me all the time I am when I'm running I imagine it running next to me and behind me and like it's just that thing that always goes I'm gonna destroy this thing and don't get attached to it because the next the way it manifests again is gonna be really cool and if you're fucking obsessed with how this thing falls apart and why it falls apart then your eye is in on the next thing and that's what needs to happen Whatever that is. But if we're obsessed, you know, if we're attached or whatever to the, you know, the falling apart of all of this, then it's, you know, it's tricky, man. We don't, you know, you don't, what's that stupid saying? Forced for the truth. I don't fucking know. Something like that. But, you know, it's, um, it's birth and death. And we find space between stimulus and response enough space to just be still you know the analogy I'm constantly giving clients is if you imagine yourself in a lake you know like I'm standing in this lake waist deep and the water's like glass the water's my nervous system and you know people come by chucking car batteries and engine blocks and stones into Placid Lake Keith all the time that's the fun of being alive you know, it creates all these ripples. And if I'm patient and I stand here, the ripples kind of lay down. Water smooths itself out. But if I have such a hard aversion to these ripples and I start slapping the ripples down with my hands, I create more ripples. Right? So stillness, slow, quiet, movement. It's everything. No big arm movements. Keep your hands and feet inside the car at all times. And you just go, you know? It's like... The river will take you. You know, you die to something and you're reborn to the next thing. And there is a liberation from the cycle of birth and death in that the more you identify with the awareness, the witness... That's the, that's the thing that's always, that's the foundation of everything. That awareness has always been there. That's you. That's the witness that never changes, it just watches. All this stuff happens on the surface and this changes and that changes and da, 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 but there's that thing that you tap into that's just right there and it just watches and that's you. When we identify with that, then the cycle of birth and death happens and we're not so rattled by it. We die from this thing and are born into this thing, right? Um, and I think that's what the literature is talking about. The Gita, I believe, is, you know, the birth and death allegory and that, I think, applies. I think that, you know, to break something like the Bhagavad Gita down into an allegory where Krishna is you, the higher self, and Arjuna is the scared small self, you know, and the chariot is the body, the horses are the senses, and the battlefield is the mind. You know? It's like um, the allegory of the Ramayana, that Ravana is the ego, Sita is the heart, Ram is the soul, Hanuman is courage, and the ego steals the spiritual heart from the soul all the time and gets it caught up in 
these demonic hell realms of material want and then it takes the courage you know it takes courage to take the heart back try to get into the allegory of these things you know um yeah that's it thanksgiving uh i'm very happy and content and it's all okay so um Again, if you want to support this, the infinite spark of bean.com, books, t-shirts, a couple art prints, yada yada. Um, Patreon, Venmo. If you have questions, if you want to talk, I'm out here. Just fucking reach out. I mean that when I say we've been doing this for so long. You know? We're old friends.